Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first Audible Farm podcast. It is Thursday, September 20th, and my name is Peter Stockdale. I will be your host. If you listen to the introductory episode, you already know that. This beginning part of the podcast is usually where I will talk about shows that I have coming up. I play in a couple of bands, and maybe I'll talk about them, maybe I won't, but uh, if anybody's listening on Thursday morning, I'm coming off the heels of a show with Unity. We opened up for Vicious Rumors at The Gas Lamp in Des Moines, Iowa, and it was a great show. Um, Come check out our next show. My next show I am playing is... Saturday, September 29th, I have a show with Three Finger Betty called Rounds of Palooza. We'll be playing at the Fremont. Otherwise, I have a show with Unity on October 6th at Gabe's in Iowa City. So check those shows out. There's more uh, more on those online on Facebook, I'm sure. So go ahead and check them out. My guest today has been a friend of mine for a long time. He's one of the reasons I started playing music, and he's one of the reasons I have such a deep appreciation for music nowadays. Uh, He played drums when we were growing up, and I chose to play guitar, so we, we meshed well. We played a lot together. We had a band together called Active Input when we were in high school, and he ended up filling in for the drummer that we had that left, and he was good enough to end up taking some positions in other bands after we graduated high school. And we're going to talk more about that here in the upcoming podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Clint Blumker. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. What's up, man? How's it going? I'm doing all right. How you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. So uh, I chose to sit down with you because, uh, well, pretty much I just thought to myself if I was going to sit down with anybody, you know, it probably should be you. More, you know, I, I ended up uh, playing a lot of guitar with you when I was younger and then I didn't play so much. And the only reason I'm playing now probably is because of you, because I started playing again and you guys needed a guitarist in Three Finger Betty, and at the time you were the drummer, and you still are, so it ended up working out that way. But uh, what else have you been in? Um, obviously, we were in a band together when we first grew up called Active Input, but after that, you ended up uh, leaving town. Yeah, I left uh, Humboldt to uh, join Dark Mirror at the uh, end of 2008, I believe. And um, my girlfriend, uh, Kelsey, had been going to UNI. It was her first semester there where she met uh, Marco Battaglia, the uh, bass player for Dark Mirror. And um, basically became friends that way. And uh, it wasn't long before I had uh, come visit uh, Waterloo, hang out with the guys, get to know them a little bit better, jam with them in the the garage at their house that they had. And uh, one thing led to another. Eventually, um, me and Kelsey moved to Waterloo 
to try to be um, more of a part of the band. Who all was in the band at the time? Uh, the band at the time was Alonzo Donoso on vocals, Marco on the bass, uh, Eric Wicker um, on the guitar, and uh, Wicker and Marco go back a long ways to when they were kids. They've known each other for a while. I guess I, I didn't even know that, so that's pretty cool. Um, did they have a drummer at the time? Um, because Tim Cummins was their drummer, r- co- correct? Is that right? Yeah, at the current time, Tim was uh, the drummer for them, um, replacing their like original guy. Okay. There was another uh, dude that Marco and Wicker, I believe they met at uh, college, but I'm not too clear on that. But um, yeah, Tim was the guy who had been in the band for a while at that point, had recorded um, a full-length record with them. Yeah, okay, Okay. so Tim was the guy on the first Dark Mirror album then. Yes, that's uh, correct. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I thought that was correct, because uh, you and I went to a Megadeth show in Milwaukee. Yeah, at the Eagles Club, yeah, Grave yeah, joint. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they had like a stage in every bar, like every nook and cranny, they could pack one. And Dark Mirror played on one of the stages at the Megadeth show, opening up for Megadeth on a was it a Gigantour? Is that what we saw them on? Man. Um, I want to say in this moment was there. They had a chick lead singer. Yeah, it very yeah. well could have been Gigantour. But but yeah, so yeah, that was my first introduction to Dark Mirror. Was about that time frame. So was that was that about kind of when we're going there? Uh yeah yeah that was pretty much the, yeah that fall that we had met him. It was yeah. Probably September, October was that Megadeth show. Yeah. So, uh, when did you play your first show with Dark Mirror? Uh, well, uh, I had moved to join the band, but uh, around that time, uh, Wicker had to had decided to leave the band, and I think he went to L.A. for guitar school. Not long after that. Sweet. Sweet. Um, what happened after that? So we pretty much uh, wrote out the six-month lease we had at the apartment we were renting. Uh, moved back to Humboldt after that. Wasn't sure what uh, was going to happen, if anything was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then around probably middle of August, I uh, got the call from Marco saying that uh, he would gotten all of his UNI stuff taken care of and was moving back to Des Moines, where he was originally from. And uh, was moving in with uh, Nate Fetus. Oh, nice. Uh, lead singer of Black Market Fetus, a well-known Des Moines band from back in the Dizay, I suppose. Yeah, I bet there's still a bunch of people that remember them. Oh, yeah, definitely. Shoot us a line on uh, Twitter if you remember that. That's at uh, Audible Farm on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, Marco moved in with uh, Nate Fetus. And then... Uh, uh, wasn't long after he moved in with him that he called me saying that he's trying to get uh, members for Dark Mirror to do the thing again. And um, he was in the middle of uh, looking for guitar players uh, when he called me and said that he found a guy. And I went up there one weekend with my drums and uh, jammed with one pr- prospective guitar player that didn't work out too well at all. Oh, well, yeah. And uh, went back the next weekend with my drums to uh, 
try out a different guy, and that ended up being Dustin Cregan. Oh yeah, I remember Dustin. I've I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, yeah, I definitely remember seeing Dustin around playing a lot of Dark Mirror shows with you guys back in the day. So it was in rather short order that uh, I got the call, did the auditions, uh, gathered, decided I wanted to. I you know had to move up there to do it, and gathered everything, and I was moved up there with Kelsey as well, uh, within a matter of like two or three weeks. So you moved to Des Moines at this point in time? Yeah, I moved into Nate Fetus's place with Marco. Yeah, I remember hanging out there a couple times with you guys, yeah, wa- wa- watching Pantera VHS <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, that was a cool place. That was, that was awesome. Um, yeah, because I remember, oh man, we used to get Paul Revere's pizza and bring it over. And Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's good times. So where was the first show you played with Dark Beer? Do you remember that? The uh, first show was probably not a week or two after we had, you know, gotten that successful rehearsal with uh, Dustin. Two-week turnover. Did you play the old songs that everybody had already written? Yeah, yeah. We hadn't uh, started any writing at that point because um, Marco had Dark Mirror booked on a metal festival in Indianapolis. In, like, the second or third weekend of September. Okay. And I think our very first show as the new version of Dark Mirror was maybe a week or two before that. Oh, Jesus. So, pretty much, we'll just say essentially your first show was playing at a festival in Indiana. <laughs> More or less, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The audition was at Vaudeville Muse the <laughs> <laughs> week be- weekend before. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, man, Vaudeville Muse is such a great place. I remember going there seeing tons and tons and tons of bands when I was younger. And uh, I hope I hope that somehow, like, the lore of playing there is not lost on the younger generation, though um, when I play there, they're not always present. But uh, that doesn't mean they're not there watching shows. That's true. Yeah. So uh, you play the show in, in Indianapolis. How did that all end up going down? Uh, good good uh, overall? Uh, Performance-wise, yeah, it was very solid. Uh, when we got there, we had run, we ran into a little bit of a, a roadblock because we had found out that the venue was kind of in a strip mall type of area. Jesus. And the building well, had a lot of space. There was a lot of space inside the building. But the uh, fire department showed up at the last second, and the fire marshal declared that it wasn't fit to have a show. So they had to quickly scramble to rent an outdoor stage and all of the, the fixins to have an outdoor festival in the parking lot of said strip mall. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, go figure. Nothing's ever going to go the correct way for a music festival. Definitely not. And there was supposed to be two stages, uh, but they were only able to rent one mobile setup. So they had to throw together, I think it was essentially a flatbed truck for our uh, second stage. So the first stage, did they have like a nice stage set up for the first stage? Or yeah, 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 it was something you'd see, you know, at uh, the state fair for like the free stage. Oh, heck yeah. Okay. Yeah, good stage. Uh, so you guys are, I'm assuming, playing on the flatbed then? Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> We were pretty high up on the <laughs> on the card. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. Um, just during the whole confusion of scrambling around trying to figure out if we there would even be a second stage, 
Marco and you know the other bands that were supposed to be on the second stage had to you know chat with the promoter to see if getting the second stage thrown together was even possible. So you didn't even you go all the way to Indiana. Uh, don't know if you were even going to play at no. this point in time. No. That sounds awesome. Well, yeah, we figured, yeah, we we were you know, under the impression that it was all going to be inside of that building uh, and everything, and then that the fire department wouldn't, wouldn't shut the thing down. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, managed to get the flatbed secured in a good spot, a PA on the thing, electricity and the whole works, and managed to play our set at a decent hour to a decent crowd who dug it that's awesome so the lineup at this point in time is uh you on drums and then you got marco on bass alonzo is the vocalist um you said blitz was the guitarist yep, Dustin Blitzkrieg. I, I recall that being a lineup for you guys for quite a while it was yeah that's um when uh the new lineup came together so to speak there was a demo called the Immortalized Demo that Dark Mirror had that had the that had four songs that were eventually on uh, Portrait of Evil. And um, it was Tim Cummings who had the drums on those. Sweet, sweet. And I was given that, and I was given Visions of Pain uh, when, when I, you know, parted ways <laughs> with Marco. <laughs> All right. I just... Uh, over that summer kept uh kept playing to the you know headphones with the record going in uh my oldest brother's old room in my mom's place oh yeah oh yeah the old jam room yeah, yeah. spent a lot of hours up there uh about about what time did uh let's see here you became a five piece eventually and th- who was the fifth member that joined uh, it was, I don't think was we it, tried anything. Did you do else. Garen? Did Garen come in and do a five piece with you and Blitz? Yeah, I th- believe Garen was the fifth guy. I'm not sure if we tried anyone else out before Garen, but yeah, he was, he was the guy. But it was like a good couple of years, uh, before Garen had gotten a hold of us. Cause, um, we, the new lineup came together and we had that demo yeah. We learned uh, those four songs and uh, wrote four other ones that were mostly just uh, a bunch of um, Blitz's riffs mm-hmm. that we as a band uh, cobbled together <laughs> into right. yeah. various yeah. song structures. And that's what um, Portrait of Evil became. And like Red Carpet and um, uh, Oblivion were two of the notable ones karma yeah yeah the the blitz material was some pretty good stuff dude that that was killer i actually just listened to the visions of pain album uh on spotify i i tracked it down found it on there and it was killer absolutely killer album um you guys did a second album after that yeah by the time we had um portrait of evil in our hands um, Alonzo had decided, um, actually it wasn't quite yet, but just Alonzo was gone. We had, uh, uh, Garen in the band for a good year or so. 
um, learning the new stuff and uh, arranging the songs is um, two-piece, as well as uh, starting the next record and writing all of our songs as like a two-guitar ensemble. And uh, we had probably about half the record written before Alonzo decided to part ways with the band and uh, start uh, Unity. So at the time Alonzo leaves the band, does this pretty much uh, seem like a death blow to what's going on? Uh, I mean, Alonzo and Marco are the two only members. Now you're left with Marco, which Marco is not the singer. Alonzo's the singer, and most people tie bands to singers. It's just the way that a lot of time it works. Yeah, that was, uh, we lost a lot of our like public relations kind of stuff when Alonzo left. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he brought a lot of stuff to the table that yeah. uh, I wouldn't say we took for granted. We we just, uh, yeah, didn't realize. D- didn't capitalize <laughs> we were when it was until there. it was gone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I uh, can confirm that Alonzo is very good with PR. Um, yeah, he definitely keeps good tabs with people online. He's very active online. I will more than likely, ooh, excuse me, I will more than likely get uh, Alonzo in here to do an interview before too long. Um but, yeah, so Alonzo and you guys part ways, and does Blitz stay with the band at this point in time? Yep, yep. Bl- okay. uh, Blitz and uh, Garen were still uh, um, doing the thing. So you're a four-piece. Does Blitz do any of the singing, or do you uh, we, try and pick up a new singer? We uh, were always on the lookout for a new singer, but... Um, um, in the final year or so, when Alonzo was in the band, when we were writing Portrait of Evil, we found out that Blitz was a really good uh, vocalist as well and could do a lot of the high-pitched um, kind of falsetto stuff that Alonzo was also doing. So we could bust out uh, harmonies and sort of like uh, trade-offs on vocal parts. And we were messing around with that a little bit, so... We already kind of had that as a possibility to have like Blitz be our lead singer. Um, if you know we really couldn't find a guy, then we at least had someone to fill in. Uh, can confirm that Blitz is also a good singer. Uh, some of the first videos I ever uh, video, rec- I had a phone back in the day, and the phone had um, the ability to record video. And the video, you could say that you were at a concert and it would compress the audio so it didn't sound all junky um, for the most part. I mean, it sounded really, really good. It didn't even matter how loud it was. So I had gone to a couple of your guys' shows and recorded some videos at some of your shows. And, and some of the crazy things was, uh, I think one of the first shows I ever recorded of you guys was you guys with no singer. And Blitz did some of the singing. And I caught... Uh, I ended up digging them back up not too long ago, and I put them on the Audible Farm, uh, the Audible Farm YouTube page. They're the, they're there somewhere. I know they are, uh, but it has Blitz singing one of the songs uh, for sure, and another one is just played without any vocals. I can't recall if it was an instrumental song or not. Um, Does but that happen to be at the Eagles Club or at the yeah, Fort Dodge? Yeah, 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 yeah the, the second, second floor. floor. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that was actually where it was at. That was that was an amazing show. The craziest part about that is if you watch it, the it's probably the worst audio I have on YouTube of any band, but it is still very good compared to some other ones. Um, 
but check it out and look at the light show and smoke show that is going on in this place. The insane part about this is you're playing to 10, 20 people. It's not very full bar. It's it's in Fort Dodge. It's a small town comparatively to Des Moines. And there was not a whole lot of publication going on. And it looks like you guys are playing to 1,000 or 2,000 people. It is insanity the way the video makes it look. It's it's one of the coolest videos I ever took. Um, yeah, I recall once talking about this with you, and you had told the, the sound guy, he's like, you want some lights? Yeah, he was like, so how do you want me to do this? And I just told him to, you know, full blast, turn it up to 11, make it look like a UFO landing. And, and it totally, totally does. Yeah. So, uh... So we can confirm for sure that Blitz can sing. Uh, if you ever saw any of the shows with Dark Mirror and Blitz singing, you definitely know what we're talking about. But you did pick up a singer eventually. Yeah, we um, um, pretty much most of the band was working at uh, Gamers at the time, used video game store here in Des Moines. And um, one of the guys that started working there was, um, was a Grimace, Adam Taylor. Uh-huh. And I want to say that um, Grimace started working at Gamers because he had previously worked with Marco uh, at his UPS job. All right, so uh, had kind of known him from before and, and kind of got involved with you guys that way. Yeah, and I'm sure Marco had planted the, the vocalist seed. And uh, Grimace was a straight-up Lamb of God-style vocalist. Yeah, direct change of pace from Alonzo's, um, give me a quick analogy for Alonzo. Uh, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, I mean, so that's a that's a giant switch between the two. I mean, we're talking like Bruce Dickinson slash Merciful Fate goes to like Children of Bodom, Lamb, Lamb of God levels. It is, it's deep, it's deep. So you have a huge vocalist change. Does the music change that much? No, we we kept the songs exactly the same. We didn't down tune or anything. Respect to uh, compensate or you know whatever whatever word you want to put there. Um, but uh, since we were working with Blitz doing uh, the falsetto vocals, we just uh, had him keep doing the parts that he'd already written for himself, doing the falsetto, and then Grimace would come in with the the growly stuff so it was kind of had this three inches of blood kind of vibe to it ah the early days of three inches of blood yes um i want to say i even have a couple videos of of you guys with grimace when some of his first shows uh maybe down in ames um a couple of them maybe one in des moines as well but but yes they trade off every now and then and sometimes when they sing together you get this nice combination of the both of them yeah it's that's pretty awesome so uh, where uh, where have you played at this point in time? So you've let's let's go up till Grimace joins the band, and and you've had how many years of playing in Dark Mirror at this point? Um, just ballpark it. We talk, think three to five. Three, I'd to, say. three to five. So we're about three to five years deep. Where have you played at this point in time? Has is there any like very memorable shows that you guys with Alonzo had gone and played at? Um. Notably, opening for UFO. UFO. At, uh, what was that place called? People's Court. Oh, sweet. Yeah, um, I, I ended up not going to that show. Uh, drastically regret the decision. The <laughs> <laughs> um, other one was um, in Madison or Milwaukee, one of those two. 
Uh, it was actually at the Eagles Club. Yeah. Okay. Same joint, but it was a different part of the building. All right. Um, we opened for Primal Fear. Sweet. And Havoc. Jeez. Oh, man. That would be pretty sweet. And, like, next to nobody knew who Havoc was at the time. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's me included. So, yeah. I mean, that's definitely one of the things about playing music. Uh, sometimes you don't know who you're running into until a few years later or sometimes even five to ten years later and you think to yourself, wow, I wish I could go back in time and watch this again because I got to see something special and I didn't I didn't take it in for what it was at the time. So, mm-hmm. so there's definitely some of that that goes on. Um, did, uh, let's see here. I recall a story once about you guys going to a show to play a show and on the way home you ended up at a Halloween concert. Oh yeah. I want to say we did that on the way back home from, uh, Indianapolis. That Indianapolis show? Yes. And that would be another instance where you guys had saw Halloween and who opened up for Halloween? Uh, Gamma Ray. So Gamma Ray and Halloween are playing t- a show together, and for all the metalheads out there, you definitely know that that is a special, special show. And this is uh, before I am aware of who even Halloween is. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I wasn't there, but they tell me the story, and I'm like, okay. And I go check Halloween out, and I thought to myself, wh- wh- how have I not ever seen or heard of this before, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so totally, uh, you guys ended up at like a handful of really cool shows, like either as a band coming back from shows, because that was always something I was thought was kind of neat, or or you ended up uh, playing with bands that are some pretty amazing bands that, I mean, we still listen to today, or that we listened to growing up, so some of those shows are, are pretty awesome. Yes. Let's, uh, let's, let's go into the next level of Dark Mirror here, so you have... Grimace joins the band. You're a five-piece still. What uh, what ends up going down there? You recorded an album as as this five-piece, I believe. Did you not? Yeah, we got uh, got a full album written and uh, recorded in 2012. I think is when we did the recording session. Nice. Where's the was that the one you recorded uh, up in Otho? Uh, no, we actually. We did a demo for that uh, that record. That was what we did in Otho. All right. All we right. did, uh, you know, just the four songs we'd written so far. I think that's what we did not long after Grimace had joined the band because we had the half of the new record uh, that was supposed to be with Alonzo before he left. So um, we got in as soon as we could to uh, do the demos for the new stuff with uh, the new vocalist. And uh, we were all into um, pre-Cowboys from Hell, Pantera at the time. <laughs> power so, power metal type yeah, stuff. Yeah, so we did, um, we picked out a cover of uh, Over and Out from that record, Power oh, Metal. Oh, yeah. You guys ended up uh, playing that at a... Oh, it was a, like a Dimebag tribute show. Yeah, there was a... People in the Omaha that booked um, for several years after he after he died a dime tribute show, and we played um, I want to say two or three of them. That that's that's awesome. Yeah, I I want to say there's video of that somewhere online. It might even be on the Dark Mirror YouTube page. But uh, 
I don't want to say one of those shows for sure is is online. If not, the people who put the show on might have even recorded it themselves. So, yeah, like um, over and out. That was kind of a staple of our set for a long, long time. So it shouldn't be too difficult to to scrounge up a, a version of it on the internet somewhere. No, as as a matter of fact, some of the first video I ever started editing, and I I want to say I, it was the first video I uploaded on the YouTube channel was uh. Uh, considered Dark Mirror's last show because I think to date it is still Dark Mirror's last show. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, down here. In the yep, basement. yep. We're actually in the location of Dark Mirror's last show right now in the Dark Mirror house basement, and there's actually a version of Over and Out um, shot with footage from I believe Kelsey, either Kelsey's on the camera or somebody else's, <laughs> and and you recorded the audio for that, and. Uh, I smashed them all together and edited it up and threw it on threw it on a video, and it and it came out darn darn good. And that's the whole show is definitely worth checking out. Uh, I mean, it's it's top shelf for sure. But like, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Last that's last show, yeah. and, that, and that would have been about two thousand sixteen or fifteen. Hmm, yeah, yeah, one, one of those years. I would. I would assume 16. I think it was the end of 2016, like September-ish. Yes. Okay, so uh, we're still we still got like about a four year gap to fill in here. So you end up Grimace comes in. You guys cut an album somewhere around 2012. Yeah, we did the the demo in Otho, and then uh, finished writing the record and got into Jeff Stone's place. Okay. To, uh, get it started. So Jeff Stone actually recorded that album. I did not know that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's. I think that was the first we had worked with him because um, Garen had known him from uh, you know being younger. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, I'm starting to see how a lot of the connections that even I have how how they're starting you know they're forming out because I've I've met Jeff Stone even so and that's kind of how I'm assuming since I met Jeff through you that's that's how that's actually how I know Jeff. So there's a weird social connection being made between all this stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Garen brought a lot to freaking Dark Mirror. He as a guitar player is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, uh, uh, very you know wild. Zach Wild, very Dimebag, very fucking uh, Chris Poland kind of stuff. Yes, uh, loves to use. It's so I don't know how to describe it, but his use of the whammy pedal is is insane. He uses the whammy pedal sometimes like other people would use a wah pedal, but it's it's not like he's bending notes in weird fashions while he's soloing. He will uh, he springs up to notes in fashions that are pretty cool, or he creates this mimic of sliding up the neck to hit the high notes while just using the whammy instead. Yeah, doing and a lot of like octave jumpy kind of stuff. Yes, it's it's gnarly. I always I always shout out to Garen. I always loved your your guitar style. It's yeah, tons of fun. But at the same time, he had like all this uh, bluesiness. Like Almond Brothers is one of his jams and. He's a uh, fucking Elton John is one of his jams. So he's got that diverse um, background musically, that which is always a good thing to have. Yeah, that definitely comes into play uh, a lot more than people think it does. Uh, I know everybody likes to give each other crap for their like guilty pleasures, but that definitely comes in to help somebody out, especially with their uh, instrumentalizing. Yeah. So you guys cut the album um, with Jeff Stone and... Did you, as this five piece, you ended up going about four, four years, but there was a change in there 
Yes. Um, you ended up switching one guitarist? Yeah, the way we recorded the album was instrument at a time, and I had gotten my drums, we got the bass, and we had started the guitars uh, when um, Dustin decided to leave. So Dustin leaves the band, and did you fill him in with somebody for this album, or did you record Garen uh, double tracks? We had um, debated all of the possibilities and um, tried uh, tried finding different guitar players that could, uh, you know, get the material up to you know good enough to record. Um, we could never really find that person. We found um, uh, Biggie. Uh, Edgar Alfaro. Edgar. He's a fucking badass. And he was just like green, I guess, is all I could say. Just he'd been following us for years and was into, into the badass music and learning the guitar. And he just like, yeah, he was fucking awesome. Uh, just inexperienced. And it was nice to be able to, you know, provide a little bit of that. And he fucking grew like a weed when it came to uh his musical ability and his ability to just keep up yeah it was pretty fun seeing some of uh edgar's first shows and then you fast forward a couple years and and it's like has edgar been doing this for like 10 or 15 years like no no he's just he's just been doing it for about you know two or three tops but it, it was pretty wild uh Edgar ended up doing some shows with you in uh, Speedrun as well, I believe. Yes, um, yes. I recorded a, a live video of, of you guys playing. Is there one of you playing down... There's one of... You recorded some of you guys playing down here in the basement. Yeah, yeah. Every time we'd learn a new track, we made a point to get a good recording of it. That's sweet. So Edgar comes in, and it's Edgar and Garen? Yeah, by the time... Uh, by the time... Um, Edgar came into the fold. We had decided to um, to have Garen just learn all of uh, Blitz's old guitar parts and uh, maybe a few of the solos that you know that he liked, but otherwise um, rebuild that second guitar part from scratch more or less. And so that kind of put a delay on the recording process. So you're going to bring in Edgar to record the album instead, is what you're telling me, I guess? Oh, uh, no, no. By the time we brought uh, Edgar in, we'd already decided that uh, Garen was going to do the second guitar stuff. So so Garen's just going to do all the guitar stuff. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And Edgar's going to come in post-album. Post and, and Yeah, yeah. And since uh, we had started to write a couple of songs with Edgar in the fold as we were trying to finish the recording on <laughs> the songs we yeah. had written for years. <laughs> yeah. Um so you guys ended up as as this was this the last uh five piece of Dark Mirror? Uh no. Um I want to say 2015ish is when um um when we played a show with um, The Ma, which Jeff Stone is the bassist of. Yep. And it was a Mario-themed show. All right. For, you know, the March 10th or what have you. Okay. And so we were tasked to learn a handful of video game tunes as Dark Mirror. Oh, dang. 
Okay, so did you guys end up doing video game tunes as Dark Mirror? We did. Holy crap. So uh, who was on the lineup for that? That's when uh, Edgar was in the band so with uh, Garen and uh, Marco and myself and Grimace. Grimace, okay. And and you say that that's not the last, or is that the last five piece? Did you guys end up switching any members after that? There was another member after that, like um, doing that video game set uh kind of inspired me and Edgar to do our own video game uh project and called it Speedrun and we put out a Craigslist ad for a guitar player and um got a response rather quickly from uh from Brent Brent yeah I remember Brent there's uh the videos that are on the Speedrun YouTube page um have Brent in him, correct? Yes. Yes, Brent's the guy shredding on on the. I think he had an EVH amp, maybe. Yep, and he yeah. played this w- wicked ass eight string guitar. Oh yeah. So we kind of we're trying to look for a bass player eventually, but once this dude comes in with his eight string, yeah. uh, we figured he could take care of most of the low end. Yeah, he could fill it out if he wanted to. Yeah, and. Edgar could do a lot of the higher end stuff. That's pretty badass. So then we started learning songs like that and uh, got into the recording studio. And uh, yeah, around that time, um, we needed a second guitar player for Dark Mirror. So we had brought uh, Brent in for that for a spell. And uh, did Garen leave? Uh, Nope. Nope, Garen. Garen was around until uh, until the end. So at this point in time, you had three guitarists kind of in your in your midst. Um, I believe Edgar had decided to step away from Dark Mirror. Uh, just because it was kind of like hectic at the time when it came to trying to write new songs. Totally understood. So uh, Brent joins and Edgar's out. Yes. And uh, the last show that you guys ended up playing, Edgar came back. Yep. And played your guys' last show. Um, if I recall correctly, was that kind of one of those things where you kind of asked him to do it, and were he was kind of unsure whether or not he wanted to, and and then at the last, you know, at the, he was like, "Yeah, well, let's do this," and then it ended up being just totally awesome or was it something that you guys had planned out months and months and months in advance and we're like all right we need to get i i believe we had planned it out for blitz to be the second guitar player oh man and that unfortunately never came to pass but um thankfully edgar was there and still knew all the songs and (laughs) <laughs> and uh, could uh, deliver the performance. Yeah, it was. If you if you watch the the video on, there's a handful of them on YouTube. On the, I think those are all on Audible Farm. I'm pretty sure that was the first show I ever edited and put up on Audible Farm. But if you watch it, it's like it's like he never even left the band. I mean, it's stellar. Uh, let's just go to like about that point in time. Uh, Dark Mirror's over, but you're doing uh, an on-again, off-again cover band with your brother at the time, uh, kind of filling in some of these years. Uh, your brother was busy and and couldn't. You guys couldn't always meet up and do shows, but you guys had a had your own cover band that would do shows around the Ames and Des Moines and Fort Dodge areas. 
Yeah, uh, my brother had uh, had a band going back to you know when he was in at uh, Iowa Central in like 2005 or what have you. Oh jeez. Uh, called Last in Line uh, with his you know best friend from high school and a couple dudes they met at Iowa Central, and um, that was the lineup for the longest time. And uh, they had a pretty good drum player, and uh, he you know. Worked pretty well for him, but uh, he ended up leaving for whatever reason. Uh, so I guess I got the call. So you guys ended up playing a bunch of shows. Uh, what kind of stuff did you guys like to play? Because I know, I know that your brother and you have much different musical influences than most. Yeah, it's uh, we play kind of maybe the heavier end you could call it of the hair metal spectrum. So we're talking like uh, White Snake. Yeah, like the White Snake and Scorpions and oh, yeah, and Quiet Riot and the Motley Crue and yeah, so the stuff that's <laughs> the people that are frequenting bars, these are yo jams, is what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, man, I could just I could just about imagine people going nuts at those shows. So you're doing some stints with uh, Last in Line, and you and you still currently are. When do you remember your first show with Last in Line? Do you remember when that was? Uh, when exactly? Man, not exactly. I want to say maybe 2010. So we're talking, yeah, 2010 or so until now. So you're still in last in line, and Dark Mirror is about over. You kind of have uh, the start of speedrun, which is something you had talked about for a long time, doing video game plus metal equals awesome. Yeah. So you're trying to do video game metal, and you ended up uh, starting speedrun, Doing how many shows did you do with Speedrun? Uh, only a handful, really. Uh, did Kelsey's art show, Too Broke for the Arts Festival Fest. And I believe that is also recorded. That was the first sh- one of the first shows I ever recorded, and I edited that. And I think that you guys put that on your Speedrun channel. Yeah. Yep. So that one of those is uh, like the Audible Farm rookie card of <laughs> of recordings. But so yeah, you played a bunch of those. You also played some festivals uh, elsewhere. Yeah. Also managed to um, before that we managed to open for Ex Mortis when they came to Des Moines. Sweet. Which is some like neoclassical thrash, just like 100 miles an hour classical music on electric instruments. <laughs> but uh, after that, um, I managed to get Speedrun booked down in Austin, Texas, for uh, Classic Game Fest. Yeah. which is the largest uh, festival of its kind in the state of Texas. And I uh, was able to get on like an early slot on the Saturday. And um, So is that like a Comic-Con thing, or is that uh, only a concert? Oh, it's a, it's pretty much like a Comic-Con thing with so, vendors. And so it's got all the old video and games and people selling games and buying games and get probably games set up to play yeah different historical exhibits those are the best parts. oh my that would be insane to and look at like the rows and rows of like the evolution of the pc like starting at like 1980 and they'd have like uh crates of old ass floppy disks you could play whatever old ass game you wanted oh man i actually just threw away a bunch of old floppies i used to play around with computers a bunch when i was younger but uh yeah, I mean 
that that's pretty awesome. So how many show? I think you did more than one show down there, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, we did um, 2016 and 2017. So you got two years under your belt down in Austin, Texas, with with Speed Run. Um, still gonna be doing shows with Speed Run, or is that done for? Well, um, Brent wasn't really in the fold for very long. Um, he had to uh, step away from doing music for whatever reasons. Um, so that was kind of a short-lived thing, uh, as far as speedrun was concerned. Like the the second time we were at Classic Game Fest, um, uh, the months leading up to it, I didn't have uh, musicians. It was just me and Edgar. Um, so I had to ask Marco uh, from Dark Mirror to learn some of our material. Because he had been busy with other things previously, uh, which is why I hadn't I hadn't asked him <laughs> to be in the band before. Yeah. Um, so I asked him to come into the fold, and uh, it had turned out that uh, his old buddy and ex Dark Mirror member Eric Wicker lived down in Austin, and I was able to send him some the guitar profiles uh, that Edgar was using for his practice sessions that is tight sent them down to wicker for him to learn so it's almost like a mini dark mirror reunion yeah kind of uh, uh like an inside out proportions of sor- some sort down yeah there. that's pretty awesome and austin is a pretty cool place like they had um this building with a bunch of practice spaces that you could rent out by the hour so we we were able to get together the night before on like friday and uh, just jam through the set once or twice to make sure we had it. <laughs> so it wasn't a complete surprise the next day. But, right. yeah, we managed to pull it off, and it was a good performance. Then after that, um, I haven't really done anything speedrun-wise since uh, since Classic Game Fest 2017. All right. Yeah, but that's still in the back of your mind, or is that something? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, right. it's uh, always something I want to do. All right. It's so. just hard to find musicians that. Uh, All right. Yeah. This this is the first call out. If there's anybody out there that's listening in the Iowa area, if you like uh, metal, you like video games, you like uh, want to turn video games into metal, Clint's your guy. Find him. Hit him up. Uh, hit up us at Audible Farm. We'll put you in touch with each other or something. But uh, we're running we're running close to about an hour or so on this podcast, and and we've got practice coming up for another band. So uh, what bands are you currently in? Let's call them out here. Bands I'm currently in uh, started with Dark Mirror, did Speed Run. Uh, last year I started with a band in St. Louis called Thorhammer. Oh yeah, bunch of cool dudes that uh, Dark Mirror knew from years back and had played shows with. Still playing shows with them. Yeah. All right. So we so we got Thor hammers. You're still doing that stuff. Um, what do you got next? Um. Uh, also, last year I started um, started a project with uh, Marco and Emery Smith. Uh, the two of them had worked at um, Wells Fargo together, I believe, and just from being friends there, I decided to start a musical project and it's called the sleepover and it's kind of the i think emery calls it like post punk or post rock indie i'm not sure i'm not a big uh 
yeah genre guy that's kind of and that's also putting it in a pretty niche box of sorts to say because i i definitely have to say even though some people describe their band as one way someone else can listen to it and describe it in a completely different way anyways yeah so you got uh thor hammer you got the sleepover what's next uh, just started uh, in Unity, Alonzo's uh, band. All right, yeah. So uh, Alonzo, after he left Dark Mirror, started Unity. It's come a long ways back full circle, and uh, Clint is back with the band. Uh, I am actually also playing guitar in Unity at this time. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more into that probably in the next podcast I have with Clint. Uh, let's see. So you got those three, and there's also... Uh, the lady with three fingers, three finger Betty. That's right. Yep. So that was uh, the first band I ended up playing in after, uh, pretty much after high school. Uh, first band I played with since 2006. I played a show in 2017. Clint's the drummer of, new, uh, of three finger Betty. Uh, John Waugh is the guitarist. Uh, Jeff Furch is the bassist. Uh, those three brought me in. I think I talked a little bit about this in the intro. When did you join three finger betty i want to say officially the beginning of 2016 is kind of like kind of like um the cure for dark mirror not really doing much because the last couple of years of dark mirror we played shows very very sparingly aside from um whenever we'd get a bunch of bands together to play in our basement (laughs) those were really the only times we played so uh, if, if you're out there, go look up uh, Unity, go look up Three Finger Betty, check out Speedrun, go check out Thorhammer from St. Louis, and uh, I'm definitely going to continue this podcast again. We'll pick up somewhere around the after Unity got done with era, and we'll kind of go up until uh, about the time you and I started playing music together and go until like the current era or whatever. Yeah. If uh, anyone wants to get a hold of you, is there any easy way to get a hold of you? Uh, you got you don't use too much social media, I know. I am on Facebook. Right. I don't use it too often, but uh, I'll respond if uh, if I come across something to respond to. All right. Uh, look for him on Facebook. I believe his profile picture is of his cat Malice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's. Uh, that's that's about it. All right. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate you uh, doing this uh, first podcast yeah, with me. Yeah, yeah. Def- definitely wouldn't have done it with anybody else. So. Yeah, bold experiment. So it's uh, much appreciated. Uh, <laughs> until the next one, because I know there's going to be one. So. Oh, yeah. So, all right. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, we did it, everybody. There it is. We've got about an hour under our belt. That's the first episode of the Audible Farm podcast. Thanks again to everybody out there for listening and inviting me into your ear holes for a little while. If you want to get a hold of me, go ahead and tweet Audible Farm on Twitter. We are also on Instagram at Audible Farm. And we are also on Facebook at Audible Farm. Go ahead and look for our YouTube channel by searching Audible Farm on YouTube. We will have podcasts as well as videos from some bands that we have video recorded over the last year or so thanks again to everybody out there listening i will catch you next thursday bye